Welcome to the Twiniversity Podcast, a show created exclusively for you guys, parents of twins. I'm your host, Natalie Diaz. Yes, I am a mom of twins. I'm also the founder of Twiniversity and the author of What to Do When You're Having Two. Now, our goal here at Twiniversity is to make sure that you always feel connected, you laugh at the little things, and we get to teach you a few tricks along the way. And I'm hoping that's what this podcast is about to do. Now, Shall we get this party started? Welcome to Twiniversity. What would we do without Dr. Brown's? I actually don't even know if Dr. Brown is a real person. I'm going to go with the assumption that it is. (laughs) But Dr. Brown's is the number one parent's choice of twins here at Twiniversity when it comes to bottle feeding your babies. Now, they don't just make bottles, although I strongly recommend you check those out. And if you're going to buy them, go for the nine ounce wide neck. Trust me, you'll thank me later. But they also make breastfeeding products, teething products, some cool little wipes and a bunch of other stuff. So I strongly recommend that if you have no idea who Dr. Brown is, first of all, we go look them up. But secondly, we go to drbrownsbaby.com to check out all their cool products that you're definitely, definitely going to want for your kiddos. Hey, everybody. It's me, Natalie Diaz, and I am here with Miss Lauren Oak. Hi, Lauren. How are you today? Good. I'm good. Let's be like real podcast people. Hi, Lauren. Great to have you. Oh, thank you for having me. Listen, it's our pleasure. (laughs) I'm glad that we literally could be lighthearted because today we actually have a really heavy episode. Oh, so yeah, it's, it's interesting. So we got, if you guys don't know out there of how we find our guests, we basically just put a call out into the twin world, right? Through Twiniversity, through our Instagram, through everything. And we say, like, if you have a story that you want to share, or if you have advice that you think could be great for other people, but I really want to make sure that we have a nice variety of topics for you guys. And so we got this one response back from this mom, Alex, who actually lives in Europe. And so she's taping this. I believe she was in Germany while we were taping this. But it was fascinating because Alex has not had Alex has an eating disorder. Oh, and so now her 20s are getting bigger and she has basically been really struggling with her eating disorder through her pregnancy. And now that they're here and it's so interesting because it really goes to show that it is a disease. Yeah. Like mental illness is a disease. Yes. And no matter like what people say, like, oh, you could get over it or whatever. It's like just because you can't see something mm-hmm. doesn't mean that they're not struggling. Exactly. Yeah. Which truthfully is something that I've taught the kids since they were little. Mm-hmm. Right. Because the thing is, is like if let's say somebody was mean or somebody was like abrupt or somebody was like super rude. Even when they were little, I would always say you don't know what happened right before now. Yes. You don't know what they're going through. Exactly. And I try to give everybody, all of humanity, the benefit of the doubt, because sometimes you're going to meet somebody like Alex that is really struggling, but is certainly not going to wear it on their sleeve. Okay. It was just, it's really, it's another episode that we went a little bit long and 
I also realized that this is one of the first episodes where I barely speak. Oh, Lauren, I could not. I just I didn't know what to say, you know, and usually I'm I'm full with questions. And I did. I, I'm going to tell you before you listen to this, like trigger warning, level 10. If you know somebody that has um, any eating disorders or any type of mental illness, you may want to consider not listening to this episode. And I will still love you. And Lauren will still love you. Will you still love them, Lauren? Yes, always. I don't want to speak for you because you're right there. So I don't have to speak for you. But it is it's really, really heavy and it's very serious. And I just was just jaw drop. And if you go to the YouTube video, you'll see that I am like wide eyed and I just I don't know what to say. Wow. And it, it happens a, like a bunch on the podcast where I want to figure out how to like teleport because I just want to like hold the guest. Aww. Aww. And so when we were taping this, she was actually at her sister's house. So she okay. went to her sister's house for some extra support and just some sissy time and it's just a lot. So I don't even know what to say other than like trigger warning. But if you, you know, if you're out there and you're suffering from uh, with an eating disorder, despite whatever type it is, like really listen to Alex's story. But she's still in the oh. eye of the storm. Oh, that's rough. It's hard. That was really a lot. And it's just like the the toll that it takes on her family and just the the her health. And then it's like, you know, I was worried. I was like, you know, how now that the kitties are eating solids, like, do yeah. you feel like limiting their solids or but it's uh, it's yeah. just it's just unbelievable. So are you ready for kind of a heavy episode? I guess. Yeah. I mean, thanks for the warning. All right. You got a warning, but I have so much pride that she did this, that she spoke to us because honestly, Lauren, you know that there's a, everybody's got a story, but not everybody's willing to tell it. Yeah. I mean, it's brave of her to talk about it. I can't believe it, but seriously, you gotta, you gotta listen to Alex and just, you know, take note that you may not want to have the family around or play this on the car stereo because it's rough. It's, it's really, really rough. So yeah. So without further ado, guys, here's Alex. Hello. Thank you for being so, thank you so much for being a part of this. And I can't believe that you are speaking to me on a break when you could be in a bubble bath, getting a cup of coffee and you're choosing to play with us. So thank you so much, Alexandra. No worries. It's just a treat that my sister's putting my twins to bed for me. So, you know, I have a holiday. Oh, that is definitely any day that somebody could take your twins from you is kind of. So yes, how old are, are your twinnies now? They're 10 and a half months. Oh, wow. So they're still teeny yeah. tiny. They're still teeny tiny. Yeah. One's a lot tinier than the other. <laughs> oh my gosh. So tell yeah. us a little bit about your twenties. Yeah. So their names are Oscar and Felix and they're 10 and a half months and they are non-identical boys, obviously. Um, they look very different actually. One um, looks like my uh, sister's little boy and he's blonde chubby cheeks um super cute and oscar the other one is much smaller like a little elf we had him dressed up as an elf um at christmas and he rocked oh the part 
um I think I sent you a photo actually of them um yes, we're doing two, two elf, elf costumes um yeah so like Felix is starting to crawl not quite there yet he's got lots of teeth Oscar's got no teeth not trying to crawl but he likes his food Oscar loves his food um Felix is a bit fussier but yeah they're super cute and I still can't quite believe that they're here and I have twins and yeah it's it's pretty amazing hard work but um I came up to Edinburgh last night on a very late train so and it was delayed so they slept on the train but they didn't sleep when we got here at like two in the morning. So I basically had like four hours sleep. So I'm a bit like delirious. (laughs) Okay. I have a question for you. Do you know that you're, where did you get your son's names from? So I, so kind of the reason why I'm on this podcast is obviously about eating disorders and like my, my journey here and my journey as a mother. And I I really didn't believe that I was going to be able to have children. Mm. So um, I had as kind of one of my motivations for getting better. I had like a boy's name and a girl's name Mm -hmm. on my phone. Um, So I had Felix as one of them. um, And I had another girl's name, um, which was Willow. Um, But I obviously didn't contemplate twins. um, So I didn't have a second boy's name. So um, Felix was always going to be my boy's name because it means happy in Latin um slightly geekily um but yeah I just thought like I just want my little you know it'll be it'll make me so happy if I have a little boy um and then the other one we were going to call him Leo actually um and but we had Oscar as another it's just quite soft I didn't know any other Oscars it was quite like gentle but it didn't sort of like have this personality attached to it in my head you know um but we but we put Leo first and then he came out and I was sat there um in the C section in the room wow. and he was on my chest and I was like, He's not a Leo, he's an Oscar. Oh I he love their like, names. Okay. It's so interesting because I don't I, I, I don't know if you know this, but their names are the characters in a very famous United States television show oh. from the seven. And oh, wow. They, no, I did not know that. <laughs> they they were roommates, Felix and Oscar. They were roommates oh, that lived wow. together because they both got a divorce from their wife. And so they lived oh, no. together. And so the show is called Odd Couple. Oh, wow. I should look that up. That you really cool. should. It's it's that's really fantastic. It really is a very iconic show here. And so for yeah. anybody listening, you're probably too young, but I remember yeah. like it was still in reruns when I was little. So it's, it's pretty old, but it's, it was such a great, great show about like the brotherhood and how they stuck together. And even though that they were polar opposites, they still found the common ground and were so supportive of each other. It was, it's Aww. a really great show. So yeah. So you watch that. Oh my gosh, that's so cute. And Felix definitely seems to be becoming a very popular boy's name here in the States too. So that's okay, awesome. They're very unusual um, here. Um, yeah. It's beautiful. But beautiful, beautiful. Thank you. Names. Oh my gosh. So yes. So I, I, when we received all the applications of the people that wanted to be on the podcast, I'm going to be very honest with you and no offense to anybody else, but you were the first one that I was like, oh my God, I have to talk to her. So we, we've had discussions with about during pregnancy about nutrition, but we have never been fortunate enough to find somebody who was willing to speak to us about having an eating disorder during pregnancy. And on, I don't think it's, it's as unusual as people might suspect. 
And people might not have like a, you know, like a diagnosed eating disorder, but there are definitely a lot of people that have either body image issues and have some kind of food issue. So I was so excited to talk to you and and genuinely, I really appreciate just getting your insight on this whole thing. So yeah, give us a, a little bit of the backstory about you know, when you developed an eating disorder and how this affected your pregnancy? And did you tell the doctors, like, I seriously, I'm, I'm dying to kind of dive into yeah. your, once again. Thank well, this you. This is why I wanted to talk about it because yeah, I felt very alone um, during my, you know, journey to pregnancy and then during my pregnancy and then afterwards. Um, and I think mental health generally is something that's still a very, you know, still a stigma. Absolutely. And I, I still very much believe that mental health is a medical condition. It's an illness. If you had cancer, you know, you'd take medication, you'd, you'd, you'd be treated and you would not, I mean, you, you wouldn't be so embarrassed or have such mm-hmm. a stigma around saying that you had it. Um, mental health is, you know, especially as a mom, it's a real taboo. And it, and I think the secrecy makes it worse. It perpetuates the illness. Um, but yeah, so basically I, I developed the, my eating disorder says anorexia. Um, I developed it when I was about 16. So during kind of our, our first big exams in the UK, our GCSEs and, you know, I've had lots of therapy and, you know, I, I'm not entirely sure exactly how I'm, you know, it started, but, you know, I, I've kind of pinned down a few things, which I think it kind of developed as a result of. And I think um, I was feeling a lack of control. So it was kind of a way of controlling mm-hmm. things that felt very much, you know, at sea. Um, I really had a huge lack of self-confidence. Um, I had real um, issues at home. Like my mum had really severe depression and was really struggling with her mental health. And I was having to deal with that and look after her. Mm-hmm. And so it was a cry for help um, because I didn't know how to get her help. Um, and it was a way of showing people that I was good at something because I didn't believe I'd get good results. Um, I was in a very high pressured all girls school. And I think my eating disorder was my way of coping. Um, it was a way of numbing my feelings as well. And it, it worked. I mean, yeah. you know, it, it started off as kind of a benign, oh, I'll just lose a bit of weight. And um, people noticed and I got sympathy and um, people noticed I was, you know, before I'd been telling people about my mom and her issues and, you know, before exams, you know, I'd had real upsetting, traumatizing incidents, but no one listened to me and my friends didn't want to know. But as soon as I started getting ill myself, people actually started to sit up and listen. And actually I got doctors involved and my mum got treatment and she got medication. And, um, you know, we, you know, my mum then started to take care of me because I was ill and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I was seen as something like, you know, I was the one who was good at dieting. I was, you know, and then I obviously wanted with my personality, wanted to be the best at that. So then I ended up in hospital for the last year at school but as an inpatient because okay. I needed to be, I needed to be the best. It wasn't okay. You know, I couldn't just settle at being skinny and giving people a scare. You know, my eating disorder wouldn't let me rest until I was at the lowest possible weight I could be in hospital and showed everyone I could do it. And then in my head, it was like, okay, I'll get better. But obviously that's a scary place to be because the more you spiral, the more medically you become very, you know, there's lots of experiments. There was a Minnesota experiment where they um, took lots of, um, I can't remember how many many men, and they essentially put them in a starvation experiment, made Mm -hmm. them lose lots of weight very rapidly. And they totally their minds changed, their brains changed. They became very irrational towards food and it it just, it chemically alters you. It's, it becomes a physical 
illness. Of course, it, you know, of course. It, you're controlled by it, and that's what happened. Um, and then to cut a long story short, I mean, I never fully recovered. Um, I used it as a coping mechanism. Have done ever since. Okay. Um, and you know, I I never got after hospital I was kind of I was I was in a, as a child in an inpatient unit and then okay. I was discharged to adult services and the support is just isn't there of course um so I just learned to deal with it and I I was kind of a coping you know I I put on a front I didn't want to talk about it I kind of did it in secret mm-hmm. um and there were times where I you know on the face of it looked well looked better um but sometimes there were the times I struggled the most and you know I felt like I I I think my biggest thing is I've never felt confident enough to occupy my body and take up space. And I think that's something I'm only starting to realize as a mum and starting to, you know, I realize how much I'm clutching on my old habits and, mm. you know, exercise and dieting. And I'm realizing it's because I just don't feel like I'm enough. I don't feel like I'm a good mm. enough mum. I don't feel like, you know, I feel irresponsible for bringing them into this world for what I might do to screw them up. Um, and I feel that if I'm bigger and I'm strong, then that's kind of who I have to be. And it, you know, if I'm struggling, no one's going to take me seriously if I, um, am not actually unwell. Um, and that's just not true, but it's only through really wanting to get better for my babies that I've really, really, really started to, you know, go, right, this is it. I want to, this is why I'm speaking now because I'm like, I want to kick this or I at least want to get to a position where you know, I'm managing it. So I'm not detrimental yeah. to my children. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, essentially I didn't think I'd, I'd ever have children because I never got my periods back regularly. Um, even uh, when I got pregnant, okay. um, and it was super stressful. It took us about a year, um, mm. to, to get pregnant. I mean, actually in the scheme of things, it wasn't because I was having irregular periods and my cycles were very long. It seemed like uh-huh. a lot, lot longer. Um, but I, it was a total surprise when I was, when I was pregnant because, you know, me and my husband were just, I think the more, more stressed I was, the harder it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just really, it, it was just, it was su- such a stressful time. And every time, you know, my period came, I just, I just felt like it was never going to happen. I didn't have any belief in myself. Um, and it was scary because I always thought, right. I'm going to get pregnant and this is going to yeah. kick it. This is going to be the motivation, but it wasn't. Yeah. And that was really scary. And that shows how much it had taken over my mind that, you know, my husband could be really, really upset and he could see me restricting food or he could see me over exercising. And I could see that he was upset and stressed and I couldn't do anything about it. I couldn't eat uh, that extra yeah. piece of toast. I couldn't not go for that extra five miles run. I just couldn't. And I know that I was hurting him and I know that I was jeopardizing my chances, but you know, I, I because I genuinely believe like I'd already screwed my body up. Mm. I was too scared to face that by getting healthy. So rather than giving myself the best chance, because this isn't something talked about, I couldn't find any information on people with eating disorders who had got pregnant. I thought, right, I've done it. You know, I haven't had periods for X amount of time. My periods are irregular. I'm probably not going to have kids. And so I'm too scared to face up to that. And so I want to stay ill. So at least I've got a reason for mm-hmm. it. I don't have to face up to that fact, which is totally irrational because I would never know if I wasn't yeah. going to give myself the best possible chance. And obviously, um, I, I also thought, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to kick this and I don't want to bring my children up 
um, in a household with mental health problems, mm-hmm. um, especially if I had girls. And I didn't feel like I was, I deserved it. I felt like I can't be a mum. Like, and I just think that's not true. I think people with mental health illnesses can actually be the best mums. And, can, you know, I think just because you struggle doesn't mean that you shouldn't bring a child into this world. Um, it's about how you manage it and whether you're seeking help. And I think the way I've been treated during pregnancy has not been, I've not been made to feel that. I've been made to feel like I'm a danger to my children at points. Really? I had a severe relapse. Yeah, I had a severe relapse okay. after I was, I gave birth. Okay. Um, I lost a hell of a lot of weight, um, much lighter than I was Um I mean, one of my, I got to my, some of my lowest weights ever. Really? Um, Post-pregnancy? Yeah. I mean, I essentially, I had, yeah. Um, So I basically, I had a postpartum hemorrhage and I also had something called an ileus, which is where your intestines get blocked. Really. That's probably something to do with my eating disorder. Um, And all the, or, and also being a twin mom, like I was carrying twins, suddenly the pressure was taken off and my bowels didn't react very well essentially Mm -hmm. no one really knows okay but that happened first and I essentially it was the the day after I um gave birth everything was going really well I was going to be discharged early I'd had a really really smooth c-section I'd had a really smooth pregnancy actually and then suddenly I felt really 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 faint really sick really dizzy and I fainted Mm -hmm. and I was immediately told I hadn't eaten enough because I eating disorder was all over my nose. And so I was treated like I wasn't eating enough and everyone was trying to feed me. And I was basically like, I can't eat because I really felt ill. I was really, really bloated, so uncomfortable. And people were trying to, my husband even tried to force feed me because he was like really scared that, you know, and I suddenly felt this huge guilt, but I was also really scared because I was like, I feel like I'm going to die. Yeah. And it was only after I fainted the second time and I was really, I was just sick everywhere, all over the babies um I'd been breastfeeding my husband had no idea what to do in terms of feeding they told him just to get on with it he didn't have any bottles any milk yeah I totally abandoned the babies I totally switched off and that's how he knew that I was ill because he knew that I just checked out and then finally people took me seriously took me down for an x-ray and realized that I you know my back my intestines were basically totally blocked and I wasn't digesting any food and that's why I fainted and yeah um but then even after that I was treated like it was because of my eating disorder because i you know, messed up my internal systems. Yeah. That's why. And even the surgeon who performed on me said, you know, it's nothing to do with what I did. I didn't touch your bowels or your intestines. Like it's because you've got a history of an eating disorder. And then I didn't get enough, you know, I, I wasn't able to eat solid food, but no one, I had to ask myself for nutrition drinks, which was really difficult. Mm-hmm. And when I finally got prescribed them, no one gave me them. And so I had to get my husband to go out to get the nutrition drinks. And it was just like, for me, someone with an eating disorder, who was really struggling to actually ask to eat. Mm-hmm. It seemed like no one cared. It seemed like no one was taking me seriously. And so I basically, after a week or so, I really got into a bad state because, you know, everything I put in place, like I'm going to eat regularly, I'm going to do this. I just totally, it all just fell apart. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up having a postpartum hemorrhage. And <sighs> then I ended up using a lo- losing a lot of weight because of that. I had two blood transfusions within hospital for a while. And then after that, Pete, essentially my experience as a twin mum is people are very much like don't breastfeed you won't be able to breastfeed no one breastfeeds it's too much toll on your body why would you bother mm. and I was desperate to breastfeed and I felt like people were like you've you know you've had a postpartum hemorrhage you've had an ileus and you're a twin mum you're already on the thin side don't breastfeed 
And I was desperately, desperately trying to breastfeed and they were trying to stop me and they were saying, you know, your body's, you know, and, 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 but I wasn't getting any support. And I was super proud of the fact that I was breastfeeding and it was going really well. And I was bonding with my babies, but no one, the social workers were coming around and they were basically, you know, trying to give me top ups, uh, make me do top ups. They weren't, you know, supporting me. I was really trying to do the tandem feed. It was Uh really sore. I couldn't get the position right. And I knew that it would help me if I could have someone just to support me with that. Mm-hmm. But no one, they didn't provide any of that. They just told me, don't bother. And even my husband was like, you know, make your life easy for yourself. Why are you bothering? Yeah. And I was just thinking, this isn't for an eating. And, and people were trying to also insinuate I was doing it for calorie burning reasons. And I was like, I genuinely am not. Like, I want to do this for my babies. And I never thought I'd get pregnant, let alone be able to breastfeed this is just yeah, a miracle of course like when my milk came in for the first time I was like oh my goodness me my body is just a miracle and um yeah but obviously breastfeeding twins really does drain you and I of wasn't course. able to eat enough and I was ravenous all the time but the more ravenous I was the more I was unable to eat because the more scared I was of putting food into my mouth because I was scared that because I was ravenous I was scared of honoring my hunger because I was scared that I would go over the top and okay. put on loads of weight okay. and I couldn't think to myself I'm ravenous because I'm burning a lot of energy mm-hmm. no one could really tell me how much energy because there's not a huge amount of I found this during pregnancy there's no real data on how much weight gain a twin mum should or you know there's a lot of data out yeah, there it depends it depends on how much you weighed things. before it depends, yeah, there's, yeah there's a lot of variables but with, with 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 um with with twin mums it's like and you know and some yeah let's follow the guidance for, for a singleton and some and that's not great for someone with an eating disorder because yes. you as much as you think you get pregnant and you think oh the eating disorder is going to out the window because you want to do the best for your children it doesn't you're still conscious about weight gain mm-hmm. and you feel guilty about that because you know, you know, I was simultaneously terrified my babies weren't growing to, you know, to the point where I was paralyzed before, you know, I was having scans every two weeks and I literally days before I used to just get paralyzed. I was so terrified that my babies weren't growing. They were really growing. Then when I was told my babies were growing, my eating disorder was saying, Oh, you don't need to eat so much. Your baby's growing. And then I was gaining weight, but I didn't think I was eating a huge amount. But then people telling me, oh, you're growing, your babies are growing. But I didn't think I was putting on that much weight and I was not feeling well at all. I was very low in energy. I was kind of on a trajectory for a singleton pregnancy and I was a twin pregnancy, obviously. But they were like, oh, it doesn't matter as long as you're putting on some weight and the babies are doing fine. Mm -hmm. It'll be fine. And I I just knew that my body was probably eating itself away. Yes. And it wasn't going to look good after pregnancy. But my body was doing everything it could just to keep these babies safe. So it was retaining weight and was growing them, but everything was going into my babies. Mm. But as long as my babies were okay, that kind of is all that mattered. Yeah. So I felt like I was a bit of a fraud during pregnancy because I did tell people from the word go about my history. And I felt it then was almost like I I, you know, I did get people to talk to, but it was very much like the concern was on the babies and I was doing okay. And therefore I didn't really, no one could really help me because it was all going well, what okay. Are they do? Yeah. If the babies are okay and they look at you and then you, yeah. it, it, nobody's going to know that the trauma that's yeah. going on inside, they're only, you know, during any pregnancy, they're going to just focus on the babies and make sure that they're healthy. And then that's it. They're going to assume that you're taking care of yourself. And I really hate yeah. that they dismissed so many things that you were experiencing because of your mm-hmm. eating disorder. But when you were yeah. pregnant and you were watching your body grow, did you have 
any sense of pride that you were able to do this? Yes. Yeah, I did. And I also really hated people telling me that my bump was small, which is quite strange because on the one hand, I did find the weight gain difficult. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, when people were saying, um, oh, you know, you're tiny, your bump's really small, you're really neat. I was thinking, but you know, that means that my twins are small. That means that I'm not doing a good enough job. That means I'm, you know, putting them in danger. And, you know, I, I just hated people's license, license that, um, people's like feeling that they could just comment on your body. Um, you know, it was, it was, no, I wanted people to tell me that my bump was, you know, lots of people don't like their bump being commented on and don't like people telling you, you know, you've got your bumps great. I loved it. Mm -hmm. But you also hated the fact that people suddenly felt okay to, just comment on your body yeah. as if it wasn't yours, you yeah. know, like it, 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 it's just, it's not okay. It's not okay yeah. to tell people whether they, you know, ha- whether they look big or small or, you know, are growing or not. Isn't and it, it interesting? Very judged. It really is. It's fascinating to me that people lose mm-hmm. all sense of like social norms when they yeah. see a pregnant person. And once they hear that it's twins, they feel like they have a right to to ask you even questions. Is it IVF? Did you breastfeed? Right. Yeah. They yeah. like want to get all into your business and you're like, buddy, like step back. Like, yeah. Yeah. But then conversely, as soon as you, lo- as soon as you give birth, everyone, you know, some people quite close to me, I found this very difficult. The first thing they say to you is, oh, you're looking really well. You've lost the baby weight. And mm. you're thinking, is that the first, is that the most important thing to you looking at me? I, I know that they're just trying to be polite and I know that it's people's kind of default and they think it's a compliment, Yeah. but also it does reinforce that feeling that, that like appearance and getting back to what you were is still is so important to society as much as you can tell yourself oh what you look like doesn't matter I'm a mum now it's it's what I do for my children that matters when people make comments like that like oh you're looking well or oh you've lost the baby weight you think well clearly it does matter clearly that's how people do judge me people do what do you wish people said to you what do you wish that they what what if they could if you could change the words in their mouth what do you wish they said to you nothing about my parents like oh your baby you know talk you know carry on the trajectory of you know oh wow you know talk about your babies and you know obviously you don't want to be you know that there is this whole thing about the mums being ignored and the babies being focused on but I would rather that than Mm -hmm. people first commenting on my my appearance but you know why can't you say something like oh I love your dress or Mm -hmm. hair's looking great or oh you're wearing some makeup today or and you know, I know that's how are you feeling? How about that? How are you feeling feeling is always good, (laughs) you know, or just, yeah. And and, yeah, I just think, and and half the time you think, well, I'm not looking that well. Like I'm Mm -hmm. really deathly tired. Like, you know, it, it, you know, oh yeah. It's just really difficult. There's just so many other things that people could say that just aren't about your appearance and don't make you feel like, you know, that is your role as a mom is to be everything all at once and perfect. Yeah. You're not. And no, it's okay to not be perfect. Yeah. Um, it, it's but, it's yeah. sides, right? It, there, there's no, the grass is always greener, right? Because yeah. then you have people that are on the heavier side mm-hmm. that are me, right? And still an eating disorder if I'm this overweight, to be very honest. And I don't really talk about my weight on Twiniversity, but at the same time, when I was pregnant, people would be like, oh, you're pregnant? Because I was just always so big. So they would be like, oh, you are? And I'd be like, yeah, I am. That's always great. So it's, it's 
it's just so interesting how people feel that they have such a liberty to say whatever they want. But I, I blame ignorance most of the time. I think that that's what kind of gets everybody through the day is because like old moms go through it. And of course you're going to definitely be in a more heightened state. And depending on your own mental health, you're going to be in your own place in your own head. So when people say things to you, you're going to hear them your own way, but people still have no freaking filter. They just say whatever they want, whenever they want. And they don't think old, young, middle-aged, it, it just doesn't matter. And they just don't think it's just stupid in plain English. And it frustrates me and all other twin families, because it's especially to when you had IVF, if you've been through a 10 year journey to get pregnant, do you really want somebody asking you about that on the subway here? You know what I mean? Like it's, it's just crazy. But when you were pregnant and you were watching your body grow when you knew that your body had to be healthy enough to grow and grow these two babies. Were you getting support? Were you getting like, were you seeing a social worker or therapist? Like what type of ongoing therapy or help? Because it doesn't even have to be from a certified yeah. it could be a family member or your husband, but what type of ongoing assistance are you getting to get you through those challenges? Whether they're real challenges that, you know, a doctor may say to you or they're in your mind, but it's still a challenge nonetheless. So how do you- To be honest with you, so I, I was referred to an eating disorder service, but to be honest with you, given- so I've, I, as I said, I had a massive relapse afterwards and I was under the same service and I had the same support around me. And I went down and down and down and down and down and down to a very, very, very dangerous place where I was almost sectioned. Um, and my babies were almost taken away from me and that's, you know, and, and they threatened to do that. And that was not helpful. Uh, so on the one hand, I asked for support. I, I was very trans. I wanted to get better. I wanted to be the best mum I could. And so I said, hands up. Um, I thought long and hard about it, but I thought I'm going to be transparent because I want to be looked after and I want to get all the support I can. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's referred to a consultant who um, was, you know, referred me for, before they knew it was twins, was going to refer me for extra growth scans, just checking in on me. Um, and I was referred to an eating disorder service where I was able to get um, someone to talk to every week. Um, but that actually ended up, I feel, backfiring on me because it's all very well when the babies aren't here because there's nothing, there's no, you know, if if you starved yourself and the babies didn't, you know, something happened to the babies, like you're not going to be prosecuted or nothing, you know, they're not going to be liable for anything. That's just a very sad story. But once there are babies in the picture, the whole attitude changes. And suddenly I was a victim of the help I sought. And suddenly I was being honest to people. I was saying, look, I'm not eating enough. I'm feeling faint. I was really being, you know, transparent about how I don't necessarily want to be here anymore and how much I was struggling. And the next week I had a phone, uh, a remote phone call set up with my husband saying, we're referring you to social services. Um, we don't think you're a fit mother. Mm. And, you know, and then, and then I was, you know, being told I had to come in every week to be weighed, to be medically checked, which is um, impossible with twins. And if I missed an appointment, even though I was just given appointments and I wasn't able to change them, um, 
I just had to come in at that time. I was uh, put in a blacklist and then I went away on holiday for a week and, you know, I, I just didn't turn up for the appointment because I couldn't. And they um, rang the police and they sent police around to my house um, or threatened to, to check my wellbeing. And they wanted to know my address, where I was, because they needed to check in on me to check that the twins were safe. And it was the most terrifying experience of my life because I was with family. I was safe. I was doing well. Um, I wasn't a danger to my children and everyone who saw me yeah. knew that. Yeah. And when we had a call from social services and they talked to me, they immediately said, we're not even proceeding with this case because you're clearly a fit mother. You yeah. know, this is ridiculous. It's been totally yes. and utterly out of proportion. And it's just, you know, I wish people had more of an understanding of eating. Just, you know, this is of an eating course. disorder services well, yeah. about eating disorders and they, out, of everybody, not, out of everybody, they should understand. Were they worried yeah. that you were going to starve the children or that you were going to starve yourself to death? Like, what was the concern? The concern that I wasn't, I wasn't safe. They were making like stupid um, allegations like, oh, you'll faint when you're holding your child. Mm. And, you know, you'll, you're, you won't be, you basically, you're not eating enough to be a good mom. Is essentially okay. what they were saying. Okay. And that was not true. I was eating a good amount. I was just breastfeeding and exhausting my body, yeah. but I was still, I was still eating enough. Um, I was still safe. I was okay to look after my children. I just needed help. And I suppose my roundabout way of saying this was the only person that helped me during pregnancy was me. And that's how I was able to keep well, because I was motivated. And the reason why I asked for help, because I was pretty sure that during pregnancy, I'd be okay. Yeah. There were times when I was worried. But I was worried that once I wasn't pregnant, I wouldn't have a reason yeah. to, I mean, I, I kind of knew that my babies would be my reason, but I also knew that suddenly I brought these babies into the world. Once my breastfeeding journey and my physical carrying them was over, what was the motivation for keeping my body healthy? Mm-hmm. As, you know, I, as, I didn't necessarily not want to be here or feel like they would be better off without me, although that's gone through my mind. Um, it and I'm in a much better place now, by the way. Um, it it was more what motivation is there for to keep me healthy? Because I truly believed, especially in some of my darker moments, that's the eating sort of tricks you that you can do both. Yeah. And whereas whereas I knew rationally that when I was growing the babies, I couldn't really do both. And so I did let let you know let go a little bit. Okay. And you know, the weight gain was going to happen. So my eating disorder was like, well, it's gonna happen, so it may as well let's just let, let it happen. Um, and there was a reason why the scales were going up because I was growing two babies in me. So as much as I wanted to know exactly how much was attributed to the placenta and how much was attributed to the baby. And I did all this research about you know, how much weight was baby and all that extra this stuff, and how much yes. weight was extra fat. But then my eating was like, well, you know, afterwards you'll be able to lose the weight if you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously I was conscious. I didn't want to put on more weight but there was always something in my head that was like you know I knew what I was worried about was my mental state during pregnancy because I knew that it was a temporary thing because I already had these thoughts that you know if you've put on excess weight then you will be able to lose it yeah and that's where I knew that I wasn't in I wasn't fully recovered because I was treating it as a temporary respite almost um not even that I wasn't even treating it as a temporary respite because I wasn't I was holding on to my, you know, I was doing a lot of exercise. I was, you know, restricting my food, but I was, I was relaxing myself enough to put on weight and grow my baby safely. But I was in a state of, I was, the eating disorder was still there. It was just not quite as severe 
Whereas once the babies came, I was worried that it would kick in to my detriment of my health. Um, But I wasn't able to think rationally that, you know, you need to be well to be a good mom. Like, and being a good mom is really, you know, I've noticed that, you know, if I'm not eating enough and I'm low in energy, I'm not smiling around my babies. And then as soon as I smile at them or I'm in a better mood, they react. And that's just amazing to see. And, you know, you don't see how... I don't, you don't realize what kind of vibes that you're giving off and how much these babies pick up. And actually it's not just about being there physically Mm -hmm. in whatever state. And they do know that you're their mom and you are important for them. And you're there, you know, it's important that you're, you're their world. You You are literally their world. And you do deserve, you know, you, there is no better person and no more deserving person to look after them than you. And yes, there have been times where I've thought they'd be better off just with my husband because, and, and you know, there's lots of people that would care for them and bring them up. But it's not just about feeding them and clothing them and <laughs> cuddling them. It's about giving them interaction and love and fun. And I want to be, you know, I want to be the best version of myself for them. But that is very difficult to, if if you don't really love yourself and if you don't have confidence in yourself, it's very difficult yeah. to own that and for that to be your motivation to get better. Yeah. And I, I'm really struggling with that at the moment because I feel like I'm really, whereas during pregnancy, it was much more like black and white, like you need to eat to feed your babies. You need to rest for your babies. Now it's like, I can function as a mother with a, you know, in a, in a, in a, energy deprived states of course I can but do I want to and is that the best for my children no do you you ever think about your growing up with your mother and do you ever think about that and say am I I'm redoing this are you worried about them having the same concern about taking care of you the way that you were about taking care of your mom that's exactly true that and that's what terrifies me but the eating disorder can be so strong that it can almost tell you that you should be able to do both. You should be able to tread a line where you can control your weight and you can exercise lots, but you can also be this amazing mom. You can be super fun. You can, you can essentially be perfect at both things and you can't, you can't be good at your eating disorder and be a good mom. Like you just can't. And so you have to let go and not be perfect in one of those realms. And it's really difficult if you're in the grips of an eating disorder to accept that you're going to be a good mom because you're, you don't believe you'll be a good mom. The eating disorder is the only thing you know, that you know that you're good at and is, is what you get your value from. It's how you communicate. It's how you get your self-worth. It's how you can tr- get, um, feel like you're in control when things are out of control. It's how you numb your worries. It's how you, it's how you basically get through the day. Yeah. And, and it's how you get your self-worth. Yeah. And it's how you value yourself and you, it's part of your identity. Um, being the sporty one, the thin one. Um, it, it, and, 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 you know, it's super scary to go, I'm going to relax the eating disorder. I'm going to throw myself into being a mum because that comes with, there's so much mum guilt out there. Of Aside course, from having an eating disorder, course. you know, just I can't the imagine. fact that my husband gets up in the morning and feeds the babies before going to work so that I can go out for a walk and walk the dog, just have some of my own time. Every day I wake up and I'm super guilty about that because I'm like, he's going to work and he's doing that for me. But he, 
you know, he flips it around and says, but I want to spend some time with my babies. Like having babies. One, one thing that we talk a lot about at Twiniversity and for the record, I have literally like no mental health training, but I've spoken to thousands of moms. And one, one thing that I read once that has really resonated with me is that we really do, whether it's you or anybody out there that's listening, when you feel bad about not having time with your kids, you have to realize that you are not relaxing, you are recovering and you're not, and you have so much to recover from. And so look, you have the delivery, like just literally put your eating disorder on the side, a twin mom with 10 month old twenties is going through some stuff that is tough. Mm -hmm. And so you have the, the added layer of having this significant eating disorder. And that's, that's a lot mama. So anytime you start feeling guilty, I would pray that you hear my voice saying you aren't relaxing, you're recovering and recovering just from whatever happened last night or the, the train ride that you had in, like there's so many things that happen happen throughout our day that we do need to to kind of digest and your brain has to process them. So whether we want to acknowledge it or not, we still need a minute to process so that we can be a better version of ourselves with or without an eating disorder. And you have all this extra stress when it comes to the, the, the eating disorder treatment. Do you guys ever talk about like that? You aren't your thoughts. Like that's always like something that's some that that's I know said a lot here in the mental health universe. And when you have, you know, very negative, scary thoughts and you could easily let them consume you. But if you are able to and once again, I have literally no right speaking about this, but just from some own some my own personal family stuff is that separating yourself from your thoughts and realizing that that's not you that is and i love the way that you refer to your eating disorder as that it's telling you like it is a third party to this so you know that you are separate from it it's just there's times it seems that maybe it's stronger than you yeah i think that's the thing i think it's trying to separate the two but sometimes it feels like you're you're possessed mm-hmm. and you do know I think when you come to a state of wanting to recover you you know that there's two of you there's the eating sort of another to you I think when you're in denial or if you're not in the place that you want to recover it's sometimes harder to realize that absolutely but once you come to the realization that there's two parts to you there's Alex who's not her eating disorder and there's Alex there's there's the eating disorder Alex but sometimes it feels like you know, you can literally be absolutely exhausted, starving, starving, hungry, and you literally cannot put food in your mouth. Mm -hmm. And that's really, really scary because you don't understand how or why. And then when it comes back to who helped you and everything, no one can, you you can sit there till you're blue in the face and people can tell you, you need to have three meals and three snacks and you're breastfeeding. So you need X amount of calories extra and this and that you can sit and nod but they can't make you no. do it. No. Or oh, they could, they could section you and feed you in a tube, but that's not sustainable. You have got to get to that place in your head. And to get to that place in your head, you've got to believe in yourself. You've got to believe you're enough and you've got to, you've got to be able to take care of yourself and you've got to be able to, you know, after an awful night last night and after an, you know, a train journey, it was delayed. My you know, immediate reaction today is to restrict food. 
Mm. And it's do do lots and lots of exercise because it's my, I felt very out of control. It all went a bit wrong. I was, you know, I, I was questioning whether I was, I dealt with it. Okay. I'm very sleep deprived. And, you know, it, I don't, my, my, my immediate reaction isn't have a nap. You know what people are saying to you? No, it's a fine. We'll take care of the babies. Have a nap, or um, let's go for pastries this morning. And we did, and it was great. But I felt guilty about it because my natural reaction is not to comfort myself; it's to punish myself. Almost, mm-hmm. I somehow feel the need to punish myself for what happened last night, and I don't know why because a lot, none of it was in my control. I was on a train. I, ch- you know, everything I did was the right decision. Sometimes things go wrong. Sometimes trains get delayed and babies don't go to sleep when you get to your sister's house like they did last time. But that wasn't my fault. And if it was, I'm human, but there's no need to punish myself. But it's such a default reaction that my, you know, the, the harder things are and the harder, the worse things are, the more I punish myself, which then makes me, you know, I'm running on a knife. I'm running on empty mm-hmm. and it's, but it's very difficult to fuel yourself to say, I need to fuel myself to get through this day because of my babies. And I deserve to have a bit of a reset and I deserve to have a bit of relaxation. I deserve to eat some nice food today because you feel not deserving of that. You feel like you need to punish yourself and you feel like you need to almost get back some control. Yeah. Um, And that, that in that, that my way of doing that is it's almost a default state now. It's almost like irrational when I actually sit back and think about it, I'm like, it doesn't make any sense, but it's all I know. So you've programmed your brain to think one way, the majority of your life. And just in the the 10 months plus pregnancy, you can't undo it. Yeah. And I think at the moment, what I'm trying to do is one of the things I've been really trying to do is to go against my thoughts and think, right. The only way I'm going to kick this is by doing the opposite is by actions. Yeah. And no one else can help me with those actions. I have to do it. And Correct. so I, I almost have to go against the thoughts and see what happens. And yeah. I've had some success with that. You know, if, if I'm questioning things, then go, well, I'll do it anyway and see what happens. And often it's not as scary. And often I feel so much better, yeah. you know, actually, you know, going for that run, I feel almost a bit guilty about it. And I feel like, great it's just perpetuating the issue. And actually it may be really hard and it may totally and utterly floor me for that day. And I may be very weepy and I may be very upset and I might find that day really difficult, but ultimately it's a step closer in the journey. And I feel better in myself because I feel like I've challenged it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's a step forward to recovery. Whereas if you just stick with the status quo, then it's exhausting because all you can see ahead is the future of that. And that's not what you want. Mm-hmm. No, I want to be able to, sit at home and have lazy mornings with my children and when they start walking and toddling not have to think I need to walk 10 kilometers like come on and drag them along and stick them in buggies to you know make them walk faster because I have to do a certain amount of exercise you know I want to be able to stand in a park and watch them go on the swings rather than think you know oh I I could have been walking for that hour um but you're eating you know I'm only going to get to that stage by trying that out now and actually breaking the cycle of behavior and you know not being in that that mindset where it, yeah it is just yeah well, i'm i'm worried about you i got to be honest with you i'm worried about you because those boys those boys can't live without you and they you know no matter what you say and you could convince yourself that 
you know, you'll, they'll be better off. And I, I understand, I understand where you're coming from. And you could say to yourself that it's just going to be easier. Like, why are they going to go through what I went through with my mother? But that doesn't have to be, you know, the good, the good news is, is that you do have the power to change anything that you want, literally anything, anything you want. You just, it's, you have to find a way to be stronger than the other Alex. Yeah, definitely. which, which is tough. And I'm telling you, like once they start running, it's going to get tougher. And there's a piece of me that's, that's just hoping that you get so distracted with what's happening with the babies. Cause one of the, I guess, good things about twenties is that you do get so busy. You're like, did I wash today? Did I brush my teeth? Did I like, did I, you know, you, you don't realize all the things that you didn't do because you've just been making these two humans survive. But I'm worried that you are going to take those things that the babies do that go wrong and then put it on yourself. Like if they have a bad night, is it something that you did? When in reality, I know as sitting in my seat, there's nothing you could do sometimes. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're just going to lose their crap and, and freak out. Like I worry about you blaming yourself for very typical mom things and then having to, you know, regain control because a big part of twenties is that you are very much out of control, you know, with yeah. your pregnancy, you're very much out of control with the delivery, you were out of control. And now basically they're two little humans that have free will, like whether we want to admit it or not, like once they realize it, it sucks because then once they realize that they can run in different directions, you know, and I worry that you like, aren't going to eat. And like, honestly, I'm, I'm like worried that you're going to, die in plain English as other people have with your disease. And it really is a disease, whether people want to call it that or not, because if you literally, if you could sit here and you could say, there's two versions of me that really, that's tough. And it's, it's really, I'm glad that you're so self-aware that you are not that, that there is another, that there is that other version of you. But at the same time, like, I know that The babies do need you and, but they need the best version of you so that it stops here, you know, so that they're not telling their their partner, oh, you know, I had to take care of my mom for my whole life. And I remember also, I think of like with them at six months, like, did you introduce solids and do you ever say like, how does, how does that work? You know, I know that a lot of moms, believe it or not, sustain their own life force by eating what, you know, is left on the tray of kiddos. Like, how is that working with you? Like, is that something that you would do eating when they eat or, you know, them learning how to, to have a meal and the social aspects of it. And like, there's all that bonding time. Like, how is that working with you? So I'm finding that aspect of it challenging, but I'm actually really, really proud. Like, so I I was going to say, like, I am starting to actually process compliments from people, you know, people telling me that, you know, you've got twins and you're doing amazingly and look how calm they are and look how happy they are. And I actually am starting to be able to take back and step back and say, actually, like, I'm doing this. I've done this. Like, actually, like, I've got this. And that's really nice. And something I am really proud of is actually how. I'm enjoying feeding them. Um, I'm actually really enjoying, like it was really difficult to start with where I felt like I was forced, like they weren't wanting it. And I was, I was so much wastage and there still is a lot of wastage now. And that's something I really struggle with. And I struggle with trusting myself around food and worrying that I'll binge and um, almost like not wanting excess food around. And so having that extra meal time in the day where there's food, which I'm worried I'll eat, but then 
feel guilty if I do eat it. And, and it's just this whole, you know, you're adding double the amount of meal times, you know, cause I, I don't eat at the same time as them because I eat it, um, much earlier than I would. Um, and I, when you're feeding twins, I find it so difficult to feed both of them at once, let alone feed myself. So I do do them separately. Um, and it's also to kind of teach myself that I can trust myself. Like I can have the food on the plate and not, there's a certain amount, you know, I don't want to be that person who doesn't let food touch my lips. Like I want them to see me try a bit of this and try a bit of that. But I also want them to see me not panicked around food and not, oh, there's food on the plate. Therefore it must be thrown away because you might eat it or, you know, being weird about it. Like it's okay to have stuff on the plate and not eat it. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I want to learn that trust. So therefore it, for me, it's important to have separate meal times for them where I am okay with their being wasted and I don't have to finish it off, but I am also just trying bits out with them. Um, but as they're starting to feed themselves, it's so rewarding to see them enjoying food and to experiment and to be really, you know, putting all my effort into working out, um, you know, how much, you know, what kind of new food I can give them and how I can give them a balanced diet and how I can give them, you know, I'm making everything myself. So I'm making all of the, I made hummus the other day and I'm making my purees myself. And I'm really trying to give them like the best nutritious diet. And, you know, that, that makes me feel, you know, it's made my transition from breastfeeding into looking after them easier because I'm feeling like that, that is, that is on me. Like Mm -hmm. that I I can be, you know, I, I can make sure that they're getting looked after and being fed well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do have a role. I have a purpose. That's and I can but Alex, that. by um, you doing that, you know that that means that you also could do that for you. Yeah, that's that's the bizarre thing is that I feel like I am. And I'm so proud of them when they eat. And I'm so proud of them when they put on weight. And mm-hmm. I get so anxious if they're not gaining and if they're not eating. I, you know, it, it, my heart leaps when they eat well. And I just think, oh my God, like, like, how can I not feel like that? That's how I, you know, my husband must feel towards me when he sees me eat, like mm-hmm. how my mum must feel. That's how my sister must feel. Yeah. But I don't believe that it's yeah. bizarre. Like, And, and I, I can, didn't mean that as judgment. I actually meant that as a very positive thing, because if yeah, you know, no, like yeah. if you're capable of doing something for somebody else, you do have the capability of doing something for yourself. So whether you choose yeah not is a different story but the capability is is there yeah and I think through feeding them and through learning to you know learning to see how how I feel towards them eating Mm -hmm. is starting to me to see food and nutrition and things in a different way and I'm starting to see it as you know it's it's not just about how you look it's about it's life. It's, it's life. It's, it's not life. entertainment. It's, it's not, yeah. it's not a physicality. It's a literally you eat to live. You do not. Yeah. There's people who live to eat. Right. And then there's people who, who eat to live. And so, you know, soon enough, they're going to start trying to feed you. You know, yeah. they're going to start to try to, to, because they love you so much. They want, they want to share with you, yeah. especially um, with their brother. How, are you going to, did you ever think about that and how you're going to handle that? Are you going to say no, not for mommy or are you going to allow them? Yeah, I'm definitely going to allow them because I, I think you've got to kind of work out what, this is something that I, I I kind of constantly look at what is recovery for me? Mm -hmm. What kind of, what, what do I see as recovered? What, what, how do I want to live my life? Mm -hmm. And I know that lots of people are happy living a life where, 
they eat just enough to survive. They're a healthy weight, but they still have a lot of rules and they still have a lot of, and they're quite happy saying no. And they don't, you know, they're very, very strict around snacking. And, you know, I don't want to be one of those people. I want to be able to snack. I want to be able to eat a little bit more and be uncomfortable. I want to be able to be, you know, someone feed me, you know, my, my boys feed me something, even though I've had a massive meal and me not to say, oh no, thank you very much. I want to be a little bit more relaxed around food so that they're not brought up to think of food as a means of control and food as a means of communicating and food as, you know, and, and, and that mummy's super controlled and super strict, you know, food's just food. And if it's there, it's okay to eat it. Like it doesn't really matter whether you're full or not. Like as long as, you know, as long as you're, as long as you're not, you know, haven't got a medical condition that means you shouldn't be eating something. And as long as you're, you know, you know, doing a little bit of exercise and you're eating a balanced diet, the rest of it, you know, I I don't, I don't want to live my life ruled like that. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and that kind of like starts with, you know, my boys offering me something and yeah, I might not be hungry, but I will have a bite because Mm -hmm. why not? Um, and it's that's not the food. Amazing. Like they're not trying to force feed you. They're just trying to share and love you and, you know, and, and be kind of that, that part of the team. It's, it's, I, I am, I, I, I don't even know what to say. I want to just come and live with you and be like, okay, that's it. I'm going to, we're going to talk about breaks and, but that, that's tough. And you do have people that are, you know, that love you so much and that are taking care of you. And you're so lucky in that regard, because you, you know, that there are people that are going through what you're going through all by themselves and their family has abandoned them thinking that, Oh, we'll let them hit rock bottom, but rock bottom could be a, a grave. You know, so it's, it's really great that you have a support system around you. I wish that there was more that, you know, was available to you without judgment because it's so Mm. interesting, right? Like it's true. Even the, the eating disorder clinics here there, it's so food focused. And you would think like, you know, if you had a drug addiction or an alcohol addiction, like you could live without that. And so the treatment for that and the recovery process for that is going to be a little bit easier. But when you have an issue where you're weaponizing food for both good or bad, you can't get away from that. You need that in order to to live. And that's got to be so challenging. And I'm really sorry that this is something that you've dealt with your whole life. And, you know, I don't know if if it helps, but I'm sorry that you've been through this. But I I believe that you can are an amazing mother, not can be an amazing mother. I think you are an amazing mother. And the fact that you're willing to share your journey with everybody, it's so it's so liberating. And I hope that like I have chills thinking about it, but like, I hope that you realize that you are able to make such a big impact and, you know, we're not a tiny little community. And I joke a lot in other podcasts that I'm like, you know, to our two listeners that it's or six, my mom's listening today, but we do have like a massive worldwide community. And this is a struggle that you are not the only one that is going through. Nobody wants to freaking talk about it, but anybody that has something outside of the norm it's difficult for them to accept. There's going to be different severities of everything that, that something somebody's going through, but I, I want to make sure that you are always very present. And that's a totally overused term. As I roll my eyes, for those of you that are listening, it's, you know, to, to try to be in the moment and realize that, 
you know, you, Alex, are the one that's always in control and that twin mama Alex is always in control and boy mom Alex is always in control and great sister and great wife and great daughter. Like that's the one that no matter what the other Alex is telling you, you just need to shut her up because she does not know shit in plain English. Now I have to put an E on this episode because I just said that, (laughs) but she doesn't know anything and she's not you and you're in there and like you, you really want to do this. And I just, I worry about the boys, but I know that if your focus always stays on the betterment of them, that your relationship with food will change because you'll see that, that they do need it to live. Yeah. You need it to grow and they need it for brain development and, and bone development and muscle development and that they are just little versions of you. And so if yeah. they need that, you know, the hummus, your brain needs just yeah. as much of the hummus as as the babies do. So they're just yeah. teeny, tiny versions of you. And you're also still recovering from pregnancy. You know, it takes your body a long time to kind of come back to, quote unquote, normal. Because we go through such like an advanced state of physicality that it's not like, oh, let's snap back in two minutes, whether it's mental, physical, both. It it really does take a while to recover from having twins in a 10 and a half months. You're really still not even there yet. So your body's yeah, still experiencing a challenge. And I'm so and proud I think of it. Yeah. And I think it's, I, I think it's really important. So often people will come on and speak about their story of having recovered in inverted commas or having gone through their journey. And I think it's really important to speak about it, you know, and be vulnerable yeah. and to hold my hands up and say like, I'm not better or I'm struggling, but mm-hmm. I've got this. Um, I'm in a place that I know I'm very positive and I've, I'm learning things and, you know, I've got, but I, I do think, you know, you don't necessarily always want to hear about the success stories. You want to be able to hear about the reality. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really, really important. I really, honestly, I really, really appreciate this. And seriously, I'm, I hope that people are a, a little bit more sensitive to the way that they talk to new parents, regardless, because you never know what somebody is going through, but B that they realize that, you know, nobody's winning. None of us are winning, right? We all have something, whether we choose to wear it as a badge and let everybody know about the something that we're going through, but everybody has, everybody's got a struggle, you know, and the struggle could be super severe or something so minor, but even if it's minor to that person, it could be so severe. We never know. You know, I always say somebody's bad is the, is their worst. It's their bad. Yeah. We could be like, oh, whatever. You know, she's got triplets. It's fine. She made it to, you know, 36 weeks. But to that person, it could be very traumatizing and you never really know. And I'm, I I genuinely like seriously, I really appreciate you just telling us where you are. And I hope you allow us to follow up with you and yeah, definitely. You know, see how things are going and then always stay in touch with me or anybody and the 20 diversity team just to see if there's anything that we could do for you. But if you know of any resources, like when you get to the point where you're like, okay, I didn't win the war, but like, I've got a few battles under my belt. You know what you do. You have quite a few battles under your belt already. You've already, you've already really overcome a lot, a lot. And I hope that you're able to kind of absorb that and realize that this did not have to go the way that it did. And you do not have to be as healthy and capable of taking your kids on a train, whether the train was messed up or not. You know, (laughs) you could be in a hospital on a feeding tube being force fed by, you know, the state right now. Like there's things that could be happening, but you want all that. You already did. Yeah. You're already better than that. 
you're really doing unbelievable. And I know it's, it's going to get better. And I really do have faith in you. And I don't, I don't say that to put pressure on you, but I say that in all sincerity, I mean, twin parenting is hard and you have an, an extra level of difficulty, but I do yeah. I know you're going to level up and whatever that looks like to you, you know, every day is every time the sun rises is a new opportunity to fix what was wrong yesterday. We all have that. Definitely. So we got plenty of sunrises in the future. Thank you. And they're all going to be fantastic. And the fact that you have Oscar and Felix literally made my day. And I can't wait for you to go Google the odd couple and see what I'm talking about. Oh, it's, it's Oscar, I believe is like a hot mess. And he's like, so sloppy. This is like OCD, everything in its place. Oh, that's so funny. Cause they're like the opposite. They're they're like the switch it around. Like, I think Oscar's more like, not like in towel at 10 and a half months, but I I get the feeling that like Felix is the more like laid back chilled, like slightly more, whereas Oscar's a bit more like intense and a bit more OCD or yeah. Listen, God bless twins. It's two two kids with the same birthday. That's really how we have to to parent them. But Alex, like honestly, like thank you so so much for joining us today and for really sharing your story. No worries. Thanks for having me. And for those of you that are out there in the podcast video world, wherever you're seeing this, we're going to put some um, some links to eating disorder clinics in the United States and some resources that are available for you. We definitely want to make sure that you have some, whether you know them or not, whether we'd rather just err on the side of caution, because we always want we never want you to feel like you were by yourself. And we always want you to know there is support that's available. And remember that we're here at Twiniversity and we have our monthly meeting every second Tuesday at 1.30 um, Eastern time, New York time. And you could come on and you could bring anything from light little fluffy topics to heavy duty topics. If there's something that you're going through that you believe that our twin parenting community could help you with, we would love to try because we are only stronger together. Each one of us, we are. We might not win as an independent person, but as a team, we'll, we'll get there. So if you need anything from me or the rest of the Twiniversity team, you could email us a community at Twiniversity or you could send us a direct message on any social platform. We're just at twiniversity.com. And thank you so much for listening as always. And I'm so appreciative to all of our guests that we have on our podcasts and our videos, because it just goes to show you we, we, we make up a lot of, a lot of different families have stories to tell, but at the end of the day, we really are all twin families and we all have that com- that struggle in common, but some of us have a little bit more. So I hope you think about what's going on and remember you are not relaxing, you are recovering. So until next time, guys, see you later, alligators. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.